This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Your radio doctor does not recommend or endorse any specific tests, physicians, products, procedures, opinions, or other information that may be mentioned on your radio doctor. Always consult your own physician. Today's program has been pre-recorded. When Recovery Centers of America at Devon opened its campuses on the main line and in South Jersey, they offered a new approach, local addiction treatment led by an expert, caring team of professionals. RCA has since helped thousands and leads the way in innovative programs and exceptional inpatient and outpatient care, all in a beautiful setting that allows for healing and recovery. RCA answers the phone and admits patients 24-7, 365, including the holidays. All admitted patients and staff are routinely tested for COVID-19. Call now at 1-888-RECOVERY. That's 1-888-RECOVERY. Talk Radio 1210. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. It's time for the Delaware Valley's first radio doctor. On call every Sunday morning at 10. This is your radio doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. Listen, seven months or 10 months is an absolutely exceptional, exceptionally short time frame to produce this vaccine. Your health determines your life, your longevity, and your happiness. Let your radio doctor lead the way with your medical education. Your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Good morning and welcome on this beautiful first Sunday in August to a very special edition of Your Radio Doctor. I'm your host, Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Pet therapy, becoming more popular in healthcare and beyond. And today we'll learn what's behind this growing trend. Our guest and his colleagues at the Mayo Clinic ask a very important question. Is medicine going to the dogs? They say yes, but in a good way. Dr. Ed Cragen, Professor Emeritus of Medical Oncology at the Mayo Clinic, as well as an Emeritus Professor in Humanism in Medicine and Emeritus Consultant in Palliative Medicine. He spent over 41 winters in Minnesota as a cancer specialist and comforting patients at the end of life. He's been recognized with countless prestigious awards at Mayo Outstanding Educator, Distinguished Clinician, Staff President. In 2015, he received the Ellis Island Medal for Contributions of Descendants of Immigrants. With over 500 scientific papers, over 1,000 presentations around the world, and two award-winning books, How Not to Be My Patient helps readers understand how to use time at your doctor visit wisely and Farewell, addressing end-of-life questions for patients and their families, helps them to say farewell with hope, love, and compassion. I should add that Ed and his wife Peggy have completed 26 marathons between them. That's not 26.2 miles. That's 26 times (laughs) 26.2. And today you'll hear about Ed's strong belief in the healing power of pets. A very special welcome, Dr. Ed. Oh, uh, Marianne, thank you very much. I'm just It's an honor and a privilege to be here. And for our listeners, I want to acknowledge the technical expertise of Frank, who has helped uh, bring us into cyberspace. So, Frank, thank you. Well said. And, Ed, I can't move on until I give you a high five for being my big five brother, since you're a LaSalle explorer and I'm a St. Joe Hawk. Y- yes, those... Those were wonderful days when life was simple. People spoke to each other. We weren't looking at tablets. But now it's a different world, and we just have to be flexible and adaptable. True. So, Dr. Ed, let's begin. Please tell us, I know you have a cat, 
and a doggy. And then recently you rescued a beautiful golden retriever, whom I should say is blind. How did you develop yeah, such a strong lo- love of pets? And did you have a dog or other pet when you were a child? Oh, yes. Uh, uh, Mary and my, uh, our family was very much connected to thoroughbred racing. So we moved continuously. I was an only child. And we had a marvelous boxer named Rusty, and Rusty was my friend. Uh, there were multiple schools, there were multiple residences, and you know we can all remember the turmoil of grammar school and high school not really fitting in. Mm-hmm. But no matter what happened, Rusty was there. So that made me realize there is a healing presence to that four-legged creature. But let's fast forward the tape last Sunday, last Sunday, let me set the stage. Six years ago, a beloved breeder in southeast Minnesota shared with us a magnificent golden retriever thoroughbred, and her name is McKenna. And McKenna, in all honesty, is probably one of the smartest things in North America. Now, everybody thinks their dog is brilliant, but McKenna is special. Now, the breeder mentioned that she had another dog that she would like to speak to us about. And this dog's name is Stevie, S-T-E-V-I-E. Now, let me turn back the clock to a Wednesday in late May. Stevie is now two years of age, just a puppy. And Stevie had the personality and the the anatomy to be a world-class champion. But then something happened unimaginable, unexplainable, catastrophic. Over 36 hours, Stevie went blind. Now just think about that to our listeners. You're on top of your game, full speed ahead, life is good, and bam, Over a day and a half, your world goes dark. The breeder was beyond devastation, unconsolable. Could she have missed something? Well, from a medical perspective, Stevie became infected with an obscure fungus called blastomycosis. It's endemic up here in the Midwest. And she probably got it from some infected soil or maybe a contaminated tree stump. And the spores were inhaled into her lungs. They then spread into her eyes, detached her retina, and over a day and a half lost all useful vision. The dog was evaluated by some of the top veterinarians in Minneapolis, which is about 100 miles north of Rochester, Minnesota. And they outlined a complicated program of steroids, eye medications every six hours, and a powerful fungus medicine. And they were not convinced that this puppy would live. But somehow, with prayer and luck, she seems to be doing okay. And the souls that this creature touches, uh, Dr. Marianne, have been unbelievable. 
Most of us don't even know our neighbors, but they've come into our home. We had Stevie in a park, and a gentleman who had a hard life came up to her, knew her history, tears streaming down his face. He put his hands over her eyes and prayed that her vision would be restored. Our souls are touched by these creatures. Mm -hmm. And I think that Stevie found the right dog daddy because it sounds like you loved her instantly. And that comes right through. The bond formed, Mm -hmm. no looking back. She is with us for however long it takes. And, And you know, Dr. Ed, you explained something so well. Without even meeting you in person, we hear the love and that human-animal bond that you're going to spend a little time talking about. I know from reading that the ancient Greeks used horses to lift the spirits of the severely ill. Florence Nightingale in the 1800s saw that pets reduced anxiety in adult and young psychiatric patients. Even Sigmund Freud used his dog to calm patients with anxiety. Let's take a little break, and when we come back, Talk a little bit more about the human-animal bond and animal-assisted therapy. That's our goal today, to share with patients that these are real scientific results and not just simply feel-good experiences, yes? Yes, I agree, absolutely. Thanks for listening to Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, exclusively presented by Independence Blue Cross. If you have a question for the medical mailbag, just send a note to doctor at yourradiodoctor.net. And we're back on Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Ed Cragen. Dr. Ed, we were talking about pets and their ability to heal. Is this just fluff? Is that what people say to you? I'm sure there's rock-hard evidence to show the healing power of the human-animal bond. Dr. Marianne, when people have a pet, they do not question the healing, restorative, regenerative power of that relationship. But there are some non-pet people that want to be convinced. And what I would share with them There are solid, reproducible, measurable data to clearly show when you comb that horse, when you groom that cat, when you are in the presence of an aquarium, there is a surge of hormones deep within the brain. And these are called things like oxytocin and prolactin and dopamine and serotonin. And these are the feel-good hormones which heal which decrease pulse and blood pressure, but equally importantly, provide meaning and purpose for life. And we can have all the gimmicks and gadgets and hardware in the world. We can have the big house and the big boat. But if we don't have meaning and purpose and engagement in life, we will not be happy campers. So without question, the healing power of pets is reproducible, that animal-human bond is restorative and healing, and it can be measured in each one of us. So true. Dr. Ed, what are some of the common types of pet therapy, or I guess the most common types? I think the most common type is the concept of animal-assisted therapy, AAT. And if this was a medication, if this was a pill, if this was an intervention, somebody would win the Nobel Prize. For example, we know 
that Alzheimer's is devastation. And every one of our listeners has been touched directly or indirectly by dementia. And patients with dementia typically die from malnutrition and infection. There have been studies by Dr. Alan Beck, a renowned researcher from the upper Midwest, that if individuals have dementia and they eat their meals in the presence of a portable aquarium, their body mass, their muscle mass, and their weight dramatically increases and their qualities of life improve. So that's just one example. Stockbrokers are under the gun. High risk, high reward. Studies have shown that among stockbrokers who had high blood pressure, everyone in a clinical trial was given a blood pressure medicine, and half of them had access to a dog. Guess what? The stockbrokers who had access to the pet were able to stop the blood pressure medications. We know that if you've had a heart attack, one year later, if you've had a dog, you have a five-fold greater chance of being alive from that heart attack. So we can go on and on, but the data are incontrovertible that the appropriate animal for the appropriate patient saves lives and equally importantly, saves money, a precious resource during these difficult days. And as you say, Ed, we're looking for something measurable as scientists or people that challenge the benefit. And you mentioned that just stroking a dog or grooming a cat, we see an increase in happy hormones like oxytocin, serotonin, dopamine. Dopamine yeah. is the, uh, the chemical that jumps in our brain when people take uh, drugs for a high. But the stockbrokers yeah. in those people we see a decrease in cortisol, which is the stress hormone. So these things are measurable. And we see examples. Um, I would guess that the most common forms of pet therapy are done with dogs and then um, horses. Could you tell us a little bit about some of the dog programs? Mm -hmm. Equine therapy among individuals with disabilities has been life-transforming. To be in the presence of a horse, decreases your blood pressure, increases sense of well-being. And having been growing up in a racetrack environment, historically there was a magical love, a bonding between the owner, the trainer, and the jockey. Every one of our listeners with a pet has had the existential anguish of making that decision to put the pet to sleep. So we know that bond is real. That has been one of the most remarkable events in the lives of many of us. Absolutely. So that is a Mm -hmm. demonstration that that bond is real. And some of our most memorable events growing up were when we had to contact that vet. And I'll give you a story. One of our patients was a minor from upper Minnesota, um, He was a gentleman who had a dog named Remington, named after the rifle company. And Remington was failing. The owner knew that Remington mercifully should be put to sleep. So the owner puts Remington in the back of the truck, and he prayed that Remington would die on the way to the vet's office. 
so that the owner would not have to be responsible for that decision. And when they reached the parking lot, he went to the back of the truck. Remington looked at the owner, quietly took his last breath, and went over to the other side. Oh, you know. So, so those, those moments when we are responsible for the passing of an animal are embellished into our soul. Several years ago, one of our beloved golden retrievers had to be put to sleep in our living room, in our arms. Mm. Hard to and forget that. My, yeah. I thought my left ventricle would rupture. Oh. I thought this is the end. And, and every one of our listeners mm-hmm. understands where we're coming from. Exactly. Uh, it's like when I used to take my children to church and if they started to chit-chat, anybody who had children understood and if people didn't, <laughs> no explanation would, uh, would convince them that I couldn't <laughs> control them. Um, so with dogs, we know that the whole point of the therapy is a transferable attachment for the patient so that when they get back into the situation, maybe it's a child who's been abused or somebody who's um, been using drugs, that they can learn to trust the dog through the, a relationship and then transfer those skills to other human beings. And it uh, helps them to heal from their mental illness. And the equine therapy, as you say, a, a rider will take a, a horse into the arena where obstacles are set up, but the horse is the mirror. The horse can feel the, the patient's anxiety or anger, and the horse will start to hesitate. And then the rider has to say, Why, what is the horse telling me? They're telling me I'm angry mm-hmm. or I'm fearful. And it's, it's incredible when you read about this, and even dolphins, I don't know if you have any experience with that, but um, swimming is an exercise to surrender to a greater force. We know that when you're in the ocean or a large... Well, I guess it would be in a, in a, a more uh, contained setting for this. But dolphins can teach valuable lessons because a patient has to realize, one patient realized his tendency to chase away from the things he wanted, and another one enjoyed being accepted by the pod. It's, it's just incredible. So some of the examples where animal-assisted therapy is used, we were saying maybe children with autism, those who have been sexually yeah. abused and find it hard to communicate, they're petting a dog and then all of a sudden they open up to the therapist or um, people, as you mentioned, with dementia, hospice patients. You certainly have a vast experience. Tell us about that a little bit. Without question, animals can sense when that passion, that patient may be passing away. And in the hospice community, over cups of coffee or over a late night dinner, we've all had the experience when that dog or a cat will not leave the bedside, when that dog or a cat is up on the bed, that patient will undoubtedly pass away within a number of days. Now, there's a famous article in the New England Journal of Medicine about a cat named Oscar. And Oscar was a cat in a rehab facility in Rhode Island. And it became common knowledge that when Oscar would not leave the bedside, that patient would pass away within several days. And this was written up in the New England Journal of Medicine, one of our most prestigious magazines. And I think it just reinforces what many of us have known, that animals can sense our feromes, our biology, and they know when things will change. 
whenever my wife Peggy and I have to leave, our two dogs sense it. And McKenna will go behind a couch where it's safe and secure with her toys, knowing that we will be leaving, but also knowing we will be back. They trust you and you trust them. Let's take a little break and we'll be right back with Dr. Ed Cragen. Today's edition of Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross, can be enjoyed anytime, anywhere, at your convenience. Just download the Odyssey app and search Your Radio Doctor. It's health education on demand. And we're back at Your Radio Doctor talking about pet therapy. Dr. Ed, we know that sickness causes the human body to release specific what we call volatile organic compounds. And with their keen sense of smell, dogs can tell when a migraine is coming or a patient with diabetes is about to go into coma. But now I'm reading that they can also detect cancers, lung, ovarian, and prostate in urine samples. Who needs a PSA when the dog can <laughs> smell your urine? Um, and now they, it's found that they can sniff for COVID, maybe in uh, perspiration, but we emit these gases that their keen sense of smell can detect. I know, excuse me, the Miami Heat is already using dogs to screen fans before games. And, and I think just demonstrates that these animals have a, have a sense, they have a power, they have an interpretation of the environment that we don't understand. And there are papers documenting that dogs can become attuned to a malignant skin cancer called multiple myeloma. They can also be aware if a patient has an underlying deep cancer in the pelvis. So again, it just shows that there's a, a dimension of biology that we humans cannot understand. Some golden retrievers can distinguish over 100 separate smells. These are factors that have been proven, factors that we humans cannot understand. For example, many of our listeners have had the experience of a late-night death of a family member, perhaps an accident, perhaps passing away from an infection. Let's say it happened 3 o'clock in the morning. That dog, hundreds of miles away, at 3 o'clock in the morning, starts to howl, starts to wander aimlessly throughout the house as if they are connected to that event. And there's no way of explaining that connection. It's a universe that, that we cannot understand. And, and we talked about examples of where pets bring that comfort and, and they almost have an insight. Prison inmates... I know I've read about small pets that are brought to visit inmates in prison, that they're calmer, they're more restrained, and it helps reduce violence and antisocial behavior, even suicides and drug addiction. Uh, our champion today, we end every show with the story of a champion, and you'll hear about vets and first responders like firefighters and um, police officers who carry that trauma for life, and they're able to prevent suicide from equine therapy, from working with horses. Um, and it also helps the family. I think what we're saying is that for individuals who are incarcerated, 
first responders. I, I cannot imagine their pressures. But we as humans are hardwired to have purpose and meaning and engagement. And that dog or a cat has unconditional love, unconditional acceptance, regardless of what happened. They are there for us. And many times we don't have that assurance from people. Well, I will share with you that I'm a beagle mom. And we've had five beagles, sometimes three at a time. And they are undoubtedly members of our family. And at about two years ago, excuse me, we... My dear husband became very ill. And Zeus, who will be 13 next week, who's always at my feet because I feed him and walk him and all those good things, never left my husband's side. He was on the bed. Mm -hmm. He followed him into the bathroom. And now that's his new buddy. They sit and watch TV together. And he could sense that my husband needed his help. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Am I surprised? No. But you and your family have the insights to recognize that this relationship doesn't happen by accident. It's restored, it's regenerative for Dr. Stu, as well as for the Zeus. Exactly. And we talk about people that have their own pets, and pets can be trained. But let's hear a little bit about the Caring Canines program at the Mayo Clinic because I know you have 17 teams of volunteer handlers and therapy dogs, and they have to go through special training. Um, and are there special breeds that seem to do better as uh, therapy dogs? Or tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Let, let me turn back to tape. Several years ago, uh, a wonderful woman named Marcia Fitzmeyer at Mayo Clinic in Rochester had the idea of the animal-human bond as a healing presence. So she brought her little dog into the Mayo Clinic, and his name was Dr. Jack. Mm -hmm. Her colleagues out there in cyberspace can Google Dr. Jack. And Dr. Jack was the first dog to have a Mayo Clinic number and also to have his picture on a Mayo Clinic identification card. And interestingly, several years ago, Uh, The former first lady, Barbara Bush, came to Mayo Clinic, and she's a pet person. And she said, you know, you Mayo Clinic people need to write a book about the healing power of pets. Now, when the former first lady has an idea like that, (laughs) it it comes to fruition. Exactly. So, So in the book is a picture of me and our golden retriever at that time and also Dr. Jack. So this started the recognition by the Mayo Clinic leadership (laughs) that this was a factor in the healing of some patients. So the Healing Canine Program started about 12 years ago. And these involve carefully selected dogs from multiple breeds, it really doesn't matter, who go through an extensive training program on their disposition, their anatomy, their ability to withstand distractions. They go through a board certification process, like much like many professionals, and they go through an intensive study by three Mayo Clinic trained individuals. And it's only a few dogs that have the temperament to do this. 
but they are absolutely transformative in helping patients open up and helping their intrinsic restorative properties and just increasing quality of life and have them talk about their dogs and their cats when they were growing up. And I I had the opportunity to visit your website and um, comments, some of the feedback you've gotten from patients and their families, because we have to remember, it's not just the patient who's um, concerned and worried and upset. It's their family members say, too, that they're sitting in the waiting room and a little doggy comes by or a kitten, Mm -hmm. and it helps them forget for a minute where they are. One of the um, comments was, for a few minutes, we forgot we were in the hospital. Or another patient said, I'd become depressed about many things. The pain seemed overwhelming. My mind darted from what seemed like one impossible problem to another. Then the canine team came, and I felt such peace. I let go of my pain and problems. And another mom said, her son missed his dog so much. He was becoming more and more stressed. The visit calmed and relaxed and helped him. It made him forget about his pain, and he became more verbal and communicative just like the other people we've talked about. They're able to focus on the love they're getting in return. Um, Dr. Ed, would you say there are any limitations or safety issues that I'm sure that you do consider, like animal-related allergies or phobias? Maybe some people are converted and they they lose their fear of animals. Tell us about that. Uh, This has always been a concern, but realistically... I am not aware of published data, we're always looking, show me the money, show me the numbers, that shows that a relatively healthy patient is at risk. There are no data that convincingly show that a relatively healthy patient is at risk from animal-assisted therapy. Now, realistically, if one has an immunosuppressive illness, leukemia, certain types of cancers, Chemotherapy. Now, realistically, we have to have some common sense. For example, in coronary care units, you typically do not see flowers because of the risk of infection. Mm-hmm. But if we are reasonable, if the dogs have been certified, if people wear masks, if we wash our hands, the benefit to that patient in the family is far outweighed by that remotely conceivable risk of some type of infection. Sure. Judgment is always so important. I wanted to bring up two other um, topics briefly that I read in, in my research. That research shows that trauma affects a person by how he or she experiences the event, not necessarily defined by the event itself. And that's why this therapy is tailored for each person in each person's situation. Uh, that was a paper in 2017 from Soma and Allen. And then I recently read... Sorry. I recently read an article that shows that people with COVID can transmit it to their pets. Remember, that was a question, can it go back and forth, pets to humans, humans to pets, but mostly in cats. Did you see that in the news as well? Yes, that has been bantered about. And with, with the media exposure, every incidental event becomes magnified. But if we just step back, and look at the risks in our lives, the risk of us contracting COVID from a cat is infinitesimal. If Mm -hmm. we wore a mask, if we receive appropriate vaccinations, Mm -hmm. if we have consent, the risk from a cat 
would be yeah. like we, me winning the Nobel Prize. Yes. It ain't going to happen. We have to take, I think you might. Let's take a, a quick break and we'll be back to wrap up with Dr. Ed Cragen. Thanks for listening to Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, presented in part by Recovery Centers of America. When needed, call RCA 1-888-RECOVERY. And we're back in our final segment with Dr. Ed Craig. And Dr. Ed, you have a blog that people can visit, but I just wanted to revisit from our last segment that we don't know of any documented cases of pets giving their owners COVID, but there have been documented cases supposedly of COVID from owners to their cats, I think in particular. So if you do have COVID or you think you do, just be extra careful around your little furry family members. Um, Dr. Ed, if somebody wanted to read more about pet therapy and animal assisted therapy and programs like that, that they could find in their own area, where would you send them? What, what your blog is askdrednet slash blog, but where else might you send our listeners? I I would have our listeners call um, their major healthcare delivery systems. And I would ask to speak to the CEO the top person, and I would ask him or her what allowances have they made for pets to be part of patients' lives. For example, at Mayo Clinic here in Rochester, we have visitors from throughout the country and throughout the world. Many of them bring their pets, and they will deliberately only stay in pet-friendly facilities. So I would find out, I would get on Google, Who's the CEO of whomever, the major hospital system? Ask to talk to them. How are they acknowledging this incredible need of patients and families to acknowledge their pet during the darkest days of their lives? And I think, Ed, you bring up so many important points. What's wrong with picking up the phone and asking to talk to the man at the top? We've talked about pet therapy helping with mental health. Um, but we also know that it's used to help children focus better, improve literacy skills. And we didn't even get to talk about physical therapy. It increases joint movement. It, it, it convinces people to take a walk. They often recover more quickly after surgery. And it can maintain increased yeah. motor skills. I want to just add, I want to be your agent here, Dr. Ed. Aside from people being able to visit your blog or read your books, I learned we had several months ago a doctor from Johns Hopkins, their Center for Music and Medicine. And we call these yes. complementary therapies, whether it's pet therapy, music as therapy. Along with your public speaking and books and years of caring for the sick and dying, you play the piano for 45 minutes every night in the lobby at the Mayo Clinic? Are you kidding me? You're going, you are getting multiple Nobel Prizes, Dr. Ed. And we just want a, a special thank you for joining us today. Do you have a final message for our listener? We have about one minute. I think I would share with our listeners that we're all seeking for meaning and purpose and engagement in our lives. And we don't get it from stuff, a car or a boat or a big bank account, but we get it by making the world a little better for that little cat, that little cat, or that next person that we need. And we cannot look into the eyes of that dog or a cat and not be touched. And when I look into the eyes of our blind dog, you know, we ran out of tissues about a week ago when that dog had 
place. Yeah. So. Well, Dr. Ed, as my mother would say, the world is made of givers and takers. And you are (laughs) certainly a very, very giant giver. Thank you so much. And you and Frank are rock stars. I'm so grateful for this opportunity. Thank you. And now for your real champion. I call this segment Shamrock Reigns. When you consider the role of a person who has served his or her country in the military or serves his or her community as a police officer, a firefighter, the burden is often more than facing the dangers of the daily routine. The greater sacrifice is dealing with the pain from the trauma they faced, which may be physical and or emotional, scars that haunt them even after they complete their tour of duty or years of service. How many of us realize the lifetime of pain that many of these warriors endure? Janet Brennan is one of the grateful. For many years, she worked as a nurse in a busy Center City Hospital in Philadelphia, first in the operating room, then the emergency department. She saw an enormous amount of trauma. Eventually, she worked for a large pharmaceutical company, which connected with 65 other countries. She often heard people in other countries say, Americans have no idea how great you have it. She knows medicine from the ground up, trauma cases fresh off the street, all the way to corporate world of regulated drug industry. Janet also had a bird's eye view of the life of vets and first responders. Her dad was a Vietnam vet and a Philadelphia fireman. Many of her family members served in the military or were first responders. She traveled the world for her job, and whenever she saw a vet or a police officer, she made sure to say thank you. After years of long days filled with travel, It was time to change direction, find a new purpose. Growing up in the city, she always dreamed of owning a horse. Then one day, all the puzzle pieces fit into one picture. She'd combine her experience as a nurse and a businesswoman with her love of horses into a giant thank you to vets and first responders and open a treatment facility with equine therapy. When the light bulb first went on in her head, she looked up to heaven and said, really, is that what you want? Shamrock reigns a 23-acre farm in Bucks County offers equine therapy. That's therapy with horses. It's a tool to navigate civilian life, literally letting vets and first responders take the reins. Many participants have PTSD, traumatic brain injuries, anger, anxiety, depression. The horse is very sensitive and acts as a mirror that reflects those hidden internal battles. If the horse resists or pushes the patient, it's an opportunity to find out why a patient can see what he or she is feeling through the horse. Since opening in 2014, over 500 veterans and first responders have participated. The patient completes a self-assessment form reporting insomnia, nightmares, flashbacks. They rank anxiety, irritability, fatigue, social detachment, sadness, before and after every session. 100% will have up to 40% improvement after one session and after eight sessions, up to 90% improvement. They come to heal. Some have had therapy elsewhere, and this is the first one that helped. The horse and rider enter the arena where obstacles are placed. The goal is to get the horse to follow you, walk with you, and go around the obstacle. And if the horse resists, the patient will synchronize with the horse. Take a deep breath. Then the horse relaxes, licks his lips, and then nuzzles the rider. Whatever the challenge, the person's trauma, death of a buddy, poor communication with the spouse, anger when in traffic, While working with the horse, the rider heals 
and builds transferable coping skills for real-life situations. Janet Brennan, founder, president, executive director, and her staff see this as an opportunity to serve those who served our country. To date, Shamrock Greens has documented 20 suicide saves. Shamrock stands for Special Forces, assisting with miracles and recovering, offering comfort and kindness. We salute you, Janet Brennan, your real champion. We also send a special thank you to the men and women in our armed forces, the police force and fire departments who are protecting us now, have retired, or have given the ultimate sacrifice. And if you have a family member or friend, veteran, police officer, firefighter who needs help, visit shamrockgreens.org. That's shamrock, R-E-I-N-S dot org. Thanks for sharing another Sunday morning with us. Listen to today's show again, other shows, or champions on yourradiodoctor.net. Send us a story of a champion in your family or community. Sign up for our mailing list, yourradiodoctor.net. Ladies, COVID has caused delay in so much of our medical care. Catch up on your cancer screenings. At Pink Plus at Jefferson, you can get two or three screenings in one visit. Call 215-503-1631 to get a mammogram, gynecology exam, and a GI visit to discuss colon cancer screening or mammogram and GI visit. 215-503-1631. Now I'd like to share a very special message with a very special young man. Happy birthday to the most dedicated, smartest, funnest, and most of all, sweetest young doctor in training. Love and kisses from Mama Bear and Papa Bear to Phil Phil. Now stay tuned because I called Frank Sinatra and he's about to sing happy birthday to my baby, Phil Phil. This is Dr. Marianne Ritchie, your radio doctor, wishing you a great week and reminding you that your health is your wealth. Thanks for listening to your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Krause at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded.